The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City. In today's episode, we will focus on local women's history. Many of you already know that on August 24th, 1920, Tennessee became the 36th and final state to ratify the 19th Amendment or the Woman Suffrage Amendment, which passed by only one vote. That one vote belonged to Harry Byrne, who heeded the words of his mother when she urged him to vote for suffrage. Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby signed the amendment into law on August 26, 1920. Fifty years later, on August 26, 1970, Betty Friedan and the National Organization for Women organized a nationwide women's strike for equality, the largest protest for gender equality in United States history. There were demonstrations and rallies in more than 90 major cities and small towns across the country, and over 100,000 women participated, including 50,000 who marched down Fifth Avenue in New York City. In 1971, Representative Bella Abzug, a Democrat from New York, introduced a successful bill designating August 26th of each year as Women's Equality Day. But how much do you know about local women's history? In this episode, I speak with Gail Converse, co-founder and vice president of Alexandria Celebrates Women, an organization designed to promote voter education, history, and women's empowerment. And she's also the author of the Alexandria Celebrates Women's History Walk. In this episode, she shares some interesting facts about women's history in Alexandria. Enjoy the conversation. question I have for you is, you know, in 2020, we celebrated the centennial of most women getting the right to vote. And I want to know more about what the centennial actually meant to you, if you were involved in any work leading up to the centennial, and then also how we celebrated the centennial in Alexandria. You know, I know for me, I was part of the Women's Vote Centennial Initiative, and we worked for several years nationally, just bringing groups together and trying to make sure yes. documented the work that was done, but would love to hear more about your perspective. Thanks, it's a pleasure to be with you, Krista, and thank you for the work that you have done and continue to do for women and, and women's equality at the ballot. Um, to your point, I um, we started to work on, Alexandra Celebrates Women, that is, started to work on the women's the centennial of the ratification of the 19th Amendment in 2019, so a year before the centennial. And, um, you know, it was a definite milestone, I think, for women really around the world, although it's a very American anniversary. And it was for all generations of women. 
You know, women on this continent have been fighting for equality at the ballot box since the 1600s. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Margaret Brent, who was the first landowner, woman landowner, in Alexandria. She owned much of what is Alexandria City today. And she um, was born in England and, of course, no formal education, but her father tutored her in the law. And she eventually became Lord Calvert of Maryland's um, executor and really uh, attorney. So she had emigrated to the colonies and settled in Maryland. However, she approached the Maryland Assembly in 1648. So 400 years, basically, before the ratification of the 19th Amendment and asked the General Assembly for two votes for her as a woman, one representing Lord Calvert and his estate and the other for women in general. Of course, she was denied that privilege, but that is a little bit of local history. Uh, The first woman on this continent to ask for the right to vote. And of course, we know that the women's suffrage movement was, even though the women were fighting for equality, it wasn't equal. There were black delegations to the the Women's March in Washington, for example, and they were mandated to march at the back of the parade. And uh, a wonderful suffragist, Ida B. Wells, broke out of her delegation and ran to the front because she was not going to be pushed back. And and she is quite quite a symbolic image for the women's suffrage movement. So, and the discrimination included Asian women, indigenous women, as well as black women. So it was, we admire the the suffragists, all of them, but we we do have to take it in context and context of the history of the time and realize that. And then of course, when the amendment was ratified in 1920, it took almost another 100 years, 60 to be exact, for Black women in this country, Black women voters, to feel equal at the ballot box due to harassment at the polls and other forms of discrimination. And we have a long way to go, don't we? We're not quite there yet with women's equality at the ballot box or anywhere else. And, you know, when we look at sort of the history of women voting, the 19th Amendment enfranchised 26 million American women in time for the 1920 U.S. presidential election. And although ratios fluctuated from state to state, one-third of women aged 21 years and older did cast their ballots in 1920, in contrast to two-thirds of voting-age men. Now, the, you know, the women had a, a basically had a lackluster initial national voter turnout in the first decades following the passage of the 19th Amendment. But it did establish additional empowerment, although it was limited, of American women with the enactment of a few labor and education reforms. In Alexandria, for example, voter turnout on November 2nd, 1920 was a different story. The number of the city's newly enfranchised women casting their ballots was higher than the national average. So that's great. An account in the November 3rd, 1920 Alexandria Gazette revealed local statistics, and I'm going to read this here, if I may. The women voted in large numbers, and fully three-fourths of the number qualified took part in the election. 
There are 4,250 qualified voters in the city, of which number 1,399 are women. So these days in the city of Alexandria, the Office of Voter Registration and Elections reports that as of October 15, 2020, more than 30% of the city's 100,000 active registered voters have cast their ballots or did cast their ballots in the 2020 general election. A little more than half of the Commonwealth's current residents are women, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. So, you know, and we look at the 15th Amendment in 1870, it was passed to guarantee people of color the right to vote. However, the amendment proved stronger in theory than in practice. Poll taxes, literacy tests, harassment, and fiscal violence prevented many of Black Americans from accessing the ballot box. Also, interestingly enough, the 15th Amendment did not include women. Many communities of color were blocked from voting. Indigenous people won full U.S. citizenship in 1924, but Native Americans were not guaranteed the right to vote until 1962. And of course, we, we look back at the Voting Rights Act of 1965, Lyndon Johnson, et cetera. But even though that had been designed to eliminate, you know, some of the legal obstacles that prevented people of color from voting, racism continued in many states. And then we look back to 1971. I know I worked on this when I was in school. The legal, the lowering of the legal voting age in the U.S. from 21 to 18 now that created, of course, a whole new segment of the American electorate. And in 2018, younger women voted at higher rates than younger men. So, you know, we have a, a long history. I can go on and on. I, I won't. But so the, the League of Women Voters, again, I applaud your work. This is crucial. And we need to continue to, uh, to advocate, don't we, for equality at the ballot box. We absolutely do. And thank you, Gail, so much for that background of that history. It was also great to really hear about the voter turnout in Alexandria. That's really exciting. You know, in 2020, I know, at least for me and some of the groups I was working with, as we reflected on the progress that we made, but like you said, we still have a ways to go. We definitely started to think about, you know, what's going to happen in the next 100 years. And we tried to think about how we can really move towards equity in society for women. Mm-hmm. Do you think from between 2020 and now, there have been the steps that we need to take to try to continue moving forward with equity? And what are your thoughts on how we do reach equity for all women? Well, that's a great question. You know, in the last 103 years now, since the ratification of the 19th Amendment, while women in this country, while we gain freedoms, and freedoms more than the ballot box, freedoms, whether it's appliances to free up our time, transportation, you know, bicycles were vital to the women's suffrage movement. The invention of the bicycle in the uh, 19th century and then women riding bikes as early as the latter part of the 19th century, freed up women, made them more independent in a tremendous way. Prior to that, women of the middle and upper uh, social classes or quote unquote respectable women were not permitted to really go places without a male escort, whether that be walking or in a carriage. And the bicycle 
gave them a tremendous amount of freedom and independence and in, in fashion as well. That's when bloomers and pants uh, became part of uh, some women's wardrobes. The speaking of fashion too, you know, the shirtwaist in the 19th century uh, gave women more freedom, freedom to go out into the workplace because you could clean the separate pieces. You know, you had the long skirt and then the shirtwaist, which is really a, a blouse. So the two pieces made it more versatile, easier to clean and, and that kind of thing, and not as cumbersome as a one-piece dress. So, you know, whether it's the workforce or fashion or transportation or home appliances, we've not been able to gain total equality, have we? We still have the glass ceiling. We still are not in huge numbers regarding elected office. Healthcare research, you know, it wasn't until about 20 years ago that public health research included medical devices and other treatments for women in particular, as they need to continue to do so, and with children as well. So men designing devices for, say, cardiovascular disease and treatment for men did not always mean equality for women. And so, uh, you know, and when I think back of the two world wars, World Wars One and Two, in our area here, you know, uh, as with most of the country, while the men were called to uniform, women not only joined the ranks of the military, but also took up the jobs, stepped in where the men had left the vacancies. And I know Alexandria's airplane factory, for example, in the 1930s, women stepped up and, and worked there and actually built airplanes for, for uh, the military. And women worked in the torpedo factory here as well and other areas. But then when the men, the soldiers came back, then they took their jobs again. You know, there's a phrase that was coined in the 1970s, but it refers to 18th century women in the colonies and the new nation. And that, that's deputy husband. And that meant if your spouse was out to sea or fighting in the American Revolution, for example, then it was your responsibility as a woman to take up all of the business responsibilities for your husband and you became a quote deputy husband so when women are afforded or gain knowledge in the workplace it you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube women have that knowledge and skill set and they don't like going back and and shouldn't have to excellent point you make a lot of great points gail so what are what are some of the things that the at the Alexandria Celebrates Women is doing currently? Ex you make some excellent points, Gail. So what are some of the things that Alexandria Celebrates Women is doing currently? We, our logo states and our mission states that uh, we empower women of the past, the present, and the future. So some of the recent activities include supporting the domestic violence safe house here in Alexandria pinwheel project for children. We worked with the Office of Historic Alexandria in 2021 and uh, created an historic marker that sits on uh, Prince and, and South St. Asaph Streets here in the city, uh, commemorating the 
women suffragists who were arrested in front of the White House in November of 1913 for, quote, blocking the sidewalk. They were silently protesting, you know, for the right to vote. And a group of them, many of them over the age of 60, were sent to the workhouse at Occoquan, and which is now the art center uh, there. And they were abused and uh, force-fed. Some of the women had gone on a hunger strike while prisoners there. Just very brutal treatment. And finally, the group of women was brought here to Alexandria to what was then the location of the 6th District uh, U.S. Court. And the judge in the case declared that the women should not have ever been sent to the Occoquan Workhouse. So they were freed from that facility. Many did go back to the D.C. jail. But that plaque commemorates the importance of our area here in Northern Virginia to the women's suffrage movement. Uh, We've had uh, mayoral proclamations, for example, on the uh, anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment in 2020. The city council uh, turned out at the Kate Muller Barrett uh, branch of the Alexandria Public Library and we had a, a ceremony there to commemorate the ratification. And in that proclamation, we were very careful to include the wording of all women, to include women of color, for example, and disparities that mark different populations. Some of the things we're doing now, we just had a series of events at uh, the Canal Center in Alexandria. We hosted women authors, women artists, and we hope to have a series of women's panels We have a monthly column in the Alexandria Times focused on women's history and as well as a women's history podcast called Revolutionary Women that we have just begun. So we are, we're out there and we also advocate and assist with voter registration. So it's a 501c3 nonpartisan organization, but we do what we can to, to bring awareness to women's issues, especially voter equality. So what are some of the challenges you've seen to achieving equity for women? Oh, goodness, where do we start? You know, and it's a shame that we even have to to ask those questions in 2023, isn't it? You know, we, first of all, I would say vote. Make sure you're registered to vote and vote. We need, and we have seen a few more women's organizations on a national and international and local level. We have seen more women in leadership positions, more women owning and operating businesses, but we are far cry from equal pay. I know the National Women's Law Center in 2021 uh, stated that this is all compared to the dollar men make. Asian American and Pacific Islander women make 85 cents to the dollar. White women make 79 cents. Mothers, on the average, are paid 70 cents for every dollar paid to fathers. Black women are paid 63 cents. Native American women are paid 60, that's six zero cents. And Latinx women are paid 55 cents. So we have a long, long way to go, especially on the equal pay issue. And as I say, we can't forget health care either. That's very important, especially these days. And how can we celebrate Women's Equality Day 2023 in Northern Virginia? Do you all have any plans? Yes, uh, we actually do. I want to I make a suggestion here. Uh, because 
<clears throat> Women's Equality Day is August 26th, of course, every year. Two days later will be the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. And so when we're talking about bringing together uh, everyone uh, for equal rights at the ballot box and beyond, I think if we could tie the two anniversaries together, the two commemorations together, it would be wonderful. Again, register to vote and vote uh, during the elections. And then if anybody is interested, they can join me. I am uh, doing something that might sound a little um, out of the ordinary, I guess, and possibly crazy, but uh, I plan to uh, walk from Alexandria to Richmond in August, hopefully ending in Richmond in or around Women's Equality Day, August 26th. And this is to bring awareness to women's history, women's health, and women's equality at the ballot box. And I hope to collect oral histories along the way and speak at a few places. And um, uh, I'll be stopping at the uh, Turning Point Memorial in Lorton, uh, near the Occoquan uh, Art Center, the old workhouse, and ending, hopefully, at the Women's Memorial on the Capitol grounds in Richmond. And anyone is invited to walk with me, whether it's a step or the entire way, and I will go as far as I can, hoping to get to Richmond. So if anybody is interested, they can just contact Alexandria Celebrates Women and join us. Well, thank you so much, Gail. You know, I love that. I love the idea of doing something a little different um, to bring attention to this important day. And I also love combining it with the uh, anniversary of the March on Washington. I think, as you said in your earlier comments, that, you know, we're not where we need to be completely. There may have been some things done um, to get the right to vote that have not, we're not all encompassing, but as we move forward, we can do what we can to make sure to correct those wrongs. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you speaking with us today. Well, you're, you're very welcome. And I, I would uh, add, if I may, that uh, Alexandria's Kate Waller Barrett, you know, was a charter member of the League of Women Voters mm -hmm. and quite the suffragist, as well as her other skills and talents. So uh, your history in Northern Virginia goes back a long way. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for listening to Finding Perspectives. We hope you learned a little more about women's history in Alexandria and consider how it will factor into your decisions. For more information about the League of Women Voters, Arlington and Alexandria City, visit my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington, or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash LWV Arlington, Instagram at LWV A-R-L-A-L-E-X-C-I-T-Y, or Twitter at LWV Arlington VA.